Welcome to the CMECE podcast, Let's Talk MRSA, 20 Frequently Asked Questions. Please review the complete CMECE information at www.mrsa20faqs.com. This podcast is designed to clarify frequently asked questions in serious MRSA infections that pose a threat to patient safety and add to the healthcare burden. Episodes released weekly are structured into four learning modules. Learners can apply for credit after reviewing each learning module. This is the third learning module, Clinical Tactics for MRSA Infections. There are seven episodes in this learning module. This is the third episode. In this episode, Dr. Thomas Fowler, Jr. from Northeastern Ohio University's College of Medicine in Rootstown, Ohio, shares his clinical experience. Thank you, Dr. Fowler, for joining us once again. Now, in our previous discussion, we focused on skin infections caused by community-associated MRSA strains. In this episode, we want to focus on therapeutic options for a complicated skin or skin structure infection. Now, over the past 10 years or so, we have observed a resurgence in the development of antimicrobials that target gram-positive bacteria, such as Staph aureus. These include linazolid, daptomycin, televancin, and even tigercycline, while a number of other agents are currently in development. So my question to you, Dr. File, is why has there been such a sudden surge in the development of agents targeting MRSA? I think this is a bit fortuitous, uh, since many of these agents that you mentioned uh, started initial preclinical development before the significant logarithmic increase in the incidence of the community-associated MRS strain, which certainly we've seen over the past decade. Uh, but there's always been an awareness of the significance of the uh, pathogenicity of Staph aureus, and I still consider this the most significant virulent pathogen with which we deal in the hospital and in the uh, outpatient setting. And, and this even despite that we need uh, better gram-negative drugs, as we all know. Uh, but it always seems reasonable, therefore, uh, for there to be new drugs to be developed for this pathogen, as well as other resistant gram-negatives, uh, such as uh, VRE. Okay. Now, with the number of new options to treat MRSA skin infections, what still remains the greatest challenge in treating these types of infections? Well, I still think we need good objective data to tell us the, the true role of the use of systemic antibiotics in at least mild pyodermas uh, when we can do incision and drainage and see resolution of the acute infection just with that. Uh, and we need to know what is the um, benefit of adding antimicrobial agents, and there are studies that are currently underway that will help us answer that question. Uh, I think another question is what is the role of colonization uh, of uh, the pathogen in these types of, of patients, uh, and it is important for us to, to try to decolonize these patients. Will it, for example, uh, lead to less recurrences in the future? Uh, there's an importance of the awareness of the need for surgery uh, in serious infections, uh, and oftentimes the, the best therapy in these types of infections is good incision, adequate excision of infected tissue or drainage of abscesses. So many times your best friend in that respect is a good surgeon. And then finally, I think we need better data on the duration of therapy for some of these infections. Okay. Now, with the availability of these newer anti-MRSA agents, what is vancomycin's role for treating MRSA skin infections? Well, for most skin infections that require parenteral therapy anyway, uh, I still believe that vancomycin uh, is the workhorse antimicrobial, at least according to the evidence. I mean, essentially all the new agents that you mentioned 
have had randomized clinical trials with vancomycin as a comparator, and I'm really not aware of uh, any significant clinical response difference uh, in these uh, studies. Uh, I think, however, this is partly due to the fact that for skin infections, oftentimes, as I've mentioned earlier, uh, appropriate surgical approach uh, or good source control, that is debridement and drainage, is more important than the specific antibiotics. So sometimes it's more difficult to differentiate in these clinical trials um, a difference between, uh, on, or at least on the basis of the antimicrobial therapy. All right, so when considering selecting an agent to treat these infections, what criteria can clinicians use to differentiate among the newer agents? Well, there's several factors. Uh, I think first and foremost is the in vitro activity or how good is the particular agent against the pathogen. And I state that because we are aware that there does appear to be increasing MIC or MIC creep or decreased susceptibility of the MRSA strains to vancomycin, which I said has been the workhorse over the past uh, several uh, decades. And at least in studies of severe infection, and most notably bacteremia and pneumonia, this appears to be significant as far as being associated uh, with outcomes. And so as we start to see higher MICs um, to vancomycin, I think we're going to need to look at alternatives that provide better uh, outcomes. Um, Number two, I think, uh, is cidality, or how uh, rapidly the bacteria is killed by the particular agent. And we know vancomycin is a cidal agent, but it's a slowly cidal agent. And some of these newer agents that you mentioned, such as daptomycin and televancin, uh, appear to be more cidal. Now, if that, is that going to uh, really play a role in skin infections? I'm not sure, but it may be important in these other infections that I, that I mentioned, such as uh, bacteremia. Uh, toxicity is a big issue. I mean, we certainly don't want to make patients sicker than they already are, so we want to use an agent uh, that is relatively uh, well tolerated. Uh, the need for IV or the ability to use oral therapy might uh, play a role, and except for linazolid, all the newer agents, that's, as, you, as you mentioned, require intravenous therapy. And then lastly, cost. And um, except for vancomycin, all these newer agents are obviously are much more uh, expensive. Um, but uh, if there's better outcomes, uh, these newer agents, even though they're more expensive, could be more cost-effective in the long run if they're associated with better outcomes. Great. Um, so you mentioned toxicity. Can, can you just briefly talk about some of the key safety concerns with the newer agents? Well, with vancomycin, I'm sure um, we're all aware of the concern for renal and ototoxicity, uh, the cutaneous manifestations if administered uh, too quickly as far as the Redman uh, syndrome. Uh, as far as daptomycin, uh, there's the concern for uh, myositis uh, or uh, muscle uh, breakdown or even rhabdomyolysis. Um, and so because of that, if we're going to have patients on uh, daptomycin for an extended period of time, I usually get a CPK uh, every week. Uh, as far as televancin, which you mentioned, which is somewhat newer, uh, there is the potential for renal toxicity. Uh, I understand it can cause some altered uh, cardiac conduction, so patients or clinicians need to be aware of that. There are certainly pregnancy concerns with, uh, with televancin. And we do know that televancin may affect coagulation tests, uh, not that it actually specifically affects coagulation, but it affects the tests used to monitor coagulation, so clinicians need to be aware of that. As far as linazolid, uh, that's been in use for several years now, and we're aware of the hematological toxicity. So um, I, I usually measure 
CBC at least every week if the patient's going to be on it more than uh, 10 days and particularly look at the platelets and look at the hemoglobin. We do know that linazolid somewhat uh, inhibits uh, MAO, so there can be interaction with uh, drugs, uh, uh, SSRIs, or, for example, antidepressants, so we have to be aware of that. It can cause a serotonin type of syndrome, and then if used for a longer period of time, uh, there's been associated neuropathy with, uh, with the linazolid. Uh, with tagacycline, uh, the biggest issue is, is gastrointestinal, and a relatively high percentage of patients will have nausea and vomiting. Oh, great. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you again, Dr. File. And please join us again for subsequent discussions on meeting the challenges of MRSA infections. Thank you.